This is a podcast from Minute Media. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Surely You Can't Be Serious podcast. We are back again with our friends Brad and Jeff from the A Film By podcast, ready to sink our teeth into some nasty, nasty, sharky goo (laughs) called Jaws the Revenge. I'm going to go ahead and say it. Merry Christmas. Yes. (laughs) Yes. Thank you. It's another Christmas movie. Hey, before we move on, this is sort of completing our series on the summer of 1987. These movies and albums are 35 years old. So we've gone through White Snake 1987. We've gone through Motley Crue, Girls, Girls, Girls. We did RoboCop and Predator. And now today we are comparing two of the worst movies of the 1980s just happened to be released within a month of each other in 1987. Superman for the quest for peace and Jaws. Don't call it for the revenge. It's very questionable as to whether they even consider Jaws three. Like is, do they just disregard it for this movie? Or do we think yep. that there's been a massive change? They, I think they disregard they, it. Dennis Quaid oh, was uh, older than so he, he was. And he was also an engineer for SeaWorld. He was not right. a Marine biologist. Mm-hmm. So can always do a career change. Yeah, I guess. Uh, <laughs> now I, my understanding is that this is one of those situations and we have this happening all the time in Hollywood now where we just ignore several sequels and we do the true quote unquote sequel to an original. This is considered Jaws three as far as the, uh, you know, the studio is concerned. Okay, before we move on to Jaws 4, tell me your opinions on Jaws 3. I enjoy Jaws 3. If you take away the fact that they're Brodies, I think you just have a good shark movie. There's no, you know, it's just a story about a shark, you know, attacking SeaWorld. And it's it's really kind of cool. The acting in it is so over the top because apparently everybody was coked out of their mind, especially <laughs> Dennis Quaid. The, the acting is so over the top. But you do get some good scenes with actors working with like killer whales, dolphins, and stuff like that. There's a lot of scenes where I'm like, wow, that's Bess Armstrong on the killer whale. And so I actually like Jaws 3 a lot more than Jaws the Revenge, but I, I think it's a fun movie. I mean, because it... It's almost not, they play back into it a little bit of the Brodies being like, oh, well, I know sharks, they're killers, but they don't reflect on it as much as the revenge of, oh, they're coming after me. It just more is so of coincidence. I think the moderator and Billy Madison would have a field day with what you just said. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to, I'm going to say this. Jaws. Jaws 3D is a dumpster fire of a movie, and if the Shirley listeners have not seen it, save your time. If you want to see Lewis Gossett Jr. in the water, go go rent the deep because you're going to be way happier with with uh, him and Jacqueline Bissett. And as far as uh, Leah Thompson, watch her in I don't know anything else, her and Dennis Quaid. Because what about Howard this- the Duck? Yes, absolutely. Worst film of 1986, or tied, I guess we could say, Jason. Yes. Uh, uh, for worst film of 1986. I'll take her in that every day of the week and twice on Sunday over <laughs> over Jaws 3D. Whoa! So, wow. So I you're take, trying I'm to tell that. me that a story based on a theme park that builds a lagoon that leads out to the ocean and a shark accidentally gets in could maybe happen as opposed to 
a descendant from 1975 of a shark that has targeted a family is a better film than just a <laughs> SeaWorld adventure. I'm not going to discuss the biology of sharks <laughs> and and how many eggs they lay or how yeah that, I'm not going to do that or their motivations. What I am going to say do sharks lay eggs is I don't know what they do. <laughs> Some do. Most but I will say, it for a they swim, they but, uh, eat, and make baby sharks. That's all they do. That's all they do. They don't take things personally. Say what you will about Jaws of Revenge, but I will take any frame from Jaws of Revenge and happily watch that over the terrible... 3D special effects of stuff floating at us in Jaws 3D. It's, We're kind it's of awful. leading with our final judgment, huh? I'm sorry. Yeah, this is Jaws 3D versus Jaws Revenge. You know, I'll save my my thoughts for Jaws against against soups, but I just <laughs> I can't believe Brad's saying how how amazing Jaws 3D is. It's <laughs> well, well here's one last thing about Jaws 3. Like I said, if you take away the Jaws title, if you would have called it something else. It's kind of like a horror film. There's a lot of deep, deep blue sea. No, so but Jaws. No, but Jaws three. Th they show a lot of blood. Have you guys watched it very recently? Yes. But it's yeah, very her, like her thigh, set up, especially like, the beginning, like a horror film. Not more of like a sea terror adventure. They set it up like a horror film, and I think I don't know. It stands a little bit different for it. But. The last time that I saw Jaws three D was 29 years ago, almost exactly. Up until my dad said, get up, we're not watching the rest of this movie. He <laughs> walked out. You walked out of the theater on Jaws 3D. The first time I, I that was that was a like a revelatory moment. Like I'm I mean, in 1983, I was eight, seven, maybe. Yeah. Yeah. It was like, you're allowed to just walk out of the movie. <laughs> Is that something you can do? But sure enough, we did it. And he was just he was appalled. Not so appalled that he didn't maybe I can't remember if he took me to Jaws Revenge or not, but so just I'll throw I'll throw my two cents in on these on these measurements. And by the way, I'll start off with Superman three just because it's come in it's come in a couple times here. Superman three on IMDb gets a five point up. We mentioned that Supergirl is really the next in the series and probably the worst movie. It got a four point four, and then Superman four got a three point seven. Jaws 3D also got a 3.7. Jaws the Revenge, 3.0. No. Three there you go. And zero. I am not saying that I agree with that, but let the record show that as far as the fan vote is concerned, there is no question that Jaws the Revenge is the worst of these sequence of movies. Okay. I will take this to the town council later, <laughs> Mary Larry Vaughn, and I will demand a recount. I can, I can accept that a three point seven over a three point oh. I can accept that as far as the ratings are concerned. Oh my just gosh! A, and it's just saying it's just a little bit better than Jaws: The Revenge, just a little bit. I'm calling Mayor Murray Hamilton and raising Kane about that. Just for yes. a little bit of perspective, the director of Jaws 3D is the guy who designed the shark that wouldn't work <laughs> for Jaws 1. So we started our last we started our <laughs> oh, last well. episode with how did this movie get made, right? Like how did this steamy pile of crap end up in theaters in front of the public who is anxious for something not what we got right 
And so we talked about what happened with Superman 4. It was a huge budget slash. It was the Salkinds basically had to give away the rights for $5 million because they were out of money. Then the Canon group who took the movie had to slice the budget from $36 million down to $17 million, which is a gigantic cut, and then cut 25% of the movie that they filmed. These are all reasons for a bad movie. But as Jason pointed out, with Jaws 4, you've still got universal money. Like, you've got major mm-hmm. studio money. It was a very expensive movie. You got the director of The Taking of Pelham 1, 2, 3, which is, mm-hmm. I mean, an Emmy-winning director, right? Yeah. You've so got awesome. Michael Caine. You've got Lance Guest, who was super hot at the time. I don't mean mm-hmm. like in an attractive way. I mean, like, he was a hot commodity. I mean, he's a good-looking guy, too. I'll, don't get me wrong. I'll say it with the Lance Guest <laughs> with the beard. Come on. <laughs> yeah, no, I That's don't. the look he needed. <laughs> he was the last. We knew him as the last starfighter. That's right. Yeah, he That's was right. the last starfighter. So how, with all of that, do you get Jaws the Revenge and its 3.0 nastiness? Here's the one thing you're also forgetting. Yeah. Is that the star, the leading lady, was married to the studio head. Sid Sheinberg, who is responsible for the first Jaws. He's mm-hmm. responsible for getting Steven Spielberg to make the first Jaws. He was president back then, still president in 1986, when he makes a call and says, we need to make Jaws 4. How does that happen? He said, I want my wife out of the house. Put her (laughs) in the Bahamas for like six months. I'm sick of her is the only thing I can think of. He's just like, give her something to do. He hung her out to dry. So I don't think that he anticipated, obviously, that this was going to be the train wreck that it was, right? But- Why did they decide to do it? So I'm going to take you guys back to 1986. Everybody excited about that? You guys are super familiar with that year. We we know a little bit about 1986. A little bit. (laughs) Just just in case our listeners don't know, the uh, Film by Guys have a running series dedicated to the movies of 1986. Jason just got off of an episode that he did with them on what movie? I've done Legal Eagles. We've done The Hitcher. Kind of poetic since we're talking about these two movies for 87, but uh, we're doing like a worst week ever. We're going to be talking about Howard the Duck and Under the Cherry Moon. So uh, And Jason's coming back for that one. I'm so glad you said it because you've named both of the movies now. So for 1986, Universal had two major investments. One was Legal Eagles. They spent like $40 million, which I mean, that's a lot of money for a courtroom drama, right? Courtroom comedy drama thing. That's a whole lot. And it's largely because of salaries and stuff. They made some money on it, but not nearly enough to justify a budget that big. Mm -hmm. And then they followed it right up with an even bigger budget for Howard the Duck, which was the biggest stinker potentially of the 80s, if not 1986. Be sure to listen to your podcast to determine how those shake out as the worst of 86. So here it is. They've just finished the summer of 1986. Sid Sheinberg is sitting in his office thinking, how the heck do I come back from this dismal summer that I've just had? It's September or October. And he thinks, I think that I can make another Jaws movie. That's not a bad idea. It's not a a terrible idea. idea. It is a great idea. So there's Sid Sheinberg, and he's thinking to himself, we've just laid a couple of eggs here. 
What do we do to come back from it? Let's look at somebody who's been super successful in the summer of 1986. Jason, what do you think the best movie of 1986 was? Best movie of 1986, Spike the Football, is Aliens, without a doubt, unquestionably (laughs) James Cameron's masterpiece. And so Sid Sheinberg is looking at that same storyline. He's thinking, huh, a woman hero fights a terrible sharp-toothed monster. I wonder if I can do something. It's got to be. I mean, I'm. It I'm, makes sense. I'm. Conge- there's conjecture here. There's no question. There's some conjecture here, but I mean, it's pretty easy to make those mental jumps, isn't it? So he calls Sigourney Weaver. <laughs> Wrong. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No. He. Now this is interesting. He went home and told his wife, "Hey, I think I'm going to do another Jaws movie," and she didn't believe him. And then she really didn't believe that he was going to cast her in the movie because she hadn't acted in eight years. Mm-hmm. The movie that she was in before this movie was 1941, the big Spielberg egg. And we ripped that apart on a film by. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Hated to do it, but we did. But the thing is, she's actually not bad in the movie. I mean, she's a pretty good actress. No, she's not. And you know what? I texted you guys. She's 49 in 1986 when she films this movie. Mm-hmm. She looks 75. Mm-hmm. And I'm sorry. I hate yeah. to be the one that says it. I'm 49 years old. I hope I don't look that old. Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah, well, she looked she looked like she was in her 60s back in 75. Let me let me ask this because we know we got universal money here. Is there any hope that maybe they wanted to kind of age her to to get a little bit closer to Michael uh Kane and and sure. also be believable as as Lance Guest's mom because he's 27 and when this movie comes out and the math holds up, you know, you know, if uh, sure. Ellen Brody has her first kid when she's 22, but you're right, she Life on the island has been tough for her. (laughs) (laughs) She's a little too much sun. A little too much beach time. A little too much. Yeah. And let me just, I'm going to throw this in on my, on my theory on aliens. The tagline for aliens was this time it's war. The tagline for Jaws for the revenge is this time it's personal. That's, That's a one word good. difference, guys. One I, word difference. I think you're onto something, man. I By the way, you could almost switch those taglines for the movies, and it still makes <laughs> sense. Right? Yeah. Right. Wow. Um, By the way, this is another just a sidebar. There were rumors back then that suggested that Sid Sheinberg and Universal President Frank Price had started a heated argument on the 15th floor of the studio building because they each blamed the other one for giving Howard the Duck the green light. <laughs> It actually ended up in a full-on fist fight. I believe that. I believe that. Yeah. Well, Sid Sheinberg denies it, says it's not true, but I I like that story. Oh. Which one of them greenlit uh, Jaws of Revenge? It's got to be Sid Sheinberg. I mean, there's no question, right? There's no question that it's Sid Sheinberg. So here's what happened. Sid Sheinberg gets what he believes to be a brilliant idea. We're going to steal the the thunder of aliens, and we're going to make it in the Bahamas. I mean, it's like we're taking a James Bond movie. Right. And we're going to get some quality actors and put in it. We got this guy from Heartbreak Ridge, by the way, Heartbreak Ridge, one of the first episodes that I listened to that you guys did. Mm-hmm. Loved oh, it. Thank you. But you've got Mr. Mario Van Peoples, mm-hmm. who was like, no, I'm not going to do. I saw Jaws 3D and I'm, I'm not going to do that. And they're like, we'll give you a lot of money and you can have complete control of the character and how it's played. He's like, OK, I'll do it. I'm going to do it Jamaican the entire time. Yeah. Not the entire time. Just <laughs> not the on, entire time. Not the entire time. <laughs> on and off. Just on times when I want to say Michael. Uh, get Stop. those conks, man. Stop flabbing yeah. your lips. Stop <laughs> yeah, you, your lips, man. I almost feel like the ca- casting, like, can you, can you, oh, you can do a Jamaican accent? 
Uh, yeah, I'm just going to use the word mon a lot, and people <laughs> people go for it. No, but sure. I stayed at a Holiday Inn Express last night. <laughs> <laughs> the other key ingredient you, you've got aliens. You've got we've got to recover from Howard the Duck, and you've got my wife. I can pay her a lot of money to do this movie and get her mm-hmm. out of my hair, maybe. And then my mistress is in town. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but what sealed the deal for him were the high TV ratings that Jaws 1 and Jaws 2 were getting at the time. They yeah. were they were blown away. They're like, wow, these these movies are still popular. Let's mm. give it another try while it's still got gas in the tank, right? Makes sense to me. So he calls the director, Joseph Sargent, and he's like, okay, I don't really think I can do a Jaws movie. I'm not, that's not my style at all. And he's like, no, 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 no. I want this to be like a relationship character driven movie. This needs to be a throwback to the original, but more about the characters and the relationships between them. And you again have control. He's like, wow, okay, well, I'll, I guess I can give that a try. He's like, okay, great. I need it by July of next year. <laughs> this was September or October. That's nine months. Again, this is why we have the stinker that we have is because mm-hmm. they forced them to do a movie. This time they have a bunch of sharks, a bunch of Bruces, if you will. And what was the thing that everybody kept saying during the original Jaws? What they announced it over the intercom? The shark is not working. You got <laughs> it. The shark is not working. <laughs> you got it. And they had the same issues, despite the fact that they took like 10 different sharks down there. They repeatedly did not work. Lance Guest said, I was routinely sent home for the day because the shark was not working wow they really did not learn any of the lessons from jaws right no i mean one of the great things about jaws we've talked about this you sense the shark you see the fin the music tells you where it is and this it's like just right across the screen you're like Mm -hmm. what is that plastic piece of crap that we're looking at so they somehow got michael kane michael (laughs) kane had a reputation for taking some stinkers but doing it very smartly like buying a house, sending his kids to college, things like that. That started with Beyond the Poseidon Adventure, The Hand in 1981, and this. You know, a lot of movies, you're like, why is Michael Caine in this? But he always says, hey, bought me my summer house, got my kids through college, got me this vacation, fixed my roof. So, I mean, he did them. And I can say that in none of those films does he look like he's just like, oh, I'm just going to kind of right. walk through it. He does go full on Michael Caine-ish, which is always fun to watch. I know this about Michael Caine also. He's a huge fan of Jaws and decided, hey, I just want to be a part of that that pop culture piece of, of film. That's to say cool. that I'm in the Jaws world. Um, count me in and it shows like where when he plays hoagie I, you, he's having a fun time like, to brad's point he's not phoning it in he's having a, a good time down there he's one of the things that works in this movie he yeah, absolutely it, he is when he was asked in interviews about it later and they said have you seen the movie and he says no but i've been in the house that it bought and it's mm-hmm. very lovely here you go here's <laughs> the exact quote okay listen to this soak this in because it's marvelous right i have never seen it but by all accounts it's terrible however I have seen the house that it built, and it is terrific. He also said, kind of Brad, what you were saying, I won an Oscar, I built a house, had a great holiday, not bad for a flop movie. He won the Oscar that year for the the movie that he had done the year before, Hannah and Her Sisters. Mm -hmm. And this movie, because they were trying to squeeze it in such an impossible time frame, he said, can I have 
you know, just a couple days off to go up and be at the Oscars. And they said, no, no, you can't. And so he won the Oscar, Oscar, but was not able to be there because of this movie. Jaws the Revenge was released July 17th, 1987. It finished third at the box office. Number one was Robocop. Mm -hmm. Number two was a Disney re-release of Snow White. Yep. And number three was Jaws the Revenge. Did any of you guys see this in the theater? No. No. I I saw it in the theater. Yeah, wow. I, I did. My brother took me to see it. He I, he had just turned 13. So this movie was PG-13, even though I think three is a lot more gorier. But he took me to see it. And there are two different endings to this film. Are, are we, are we will cover that. Okay, I want to yeah, ask for sure. that. But, but yeah, mm-hmm. I actually did see this in the theater. I don't mind. I mean, we can talk about that now yeah. because I told I told Jason... Because we're talking about it, and he's like, how long has it been since you've seen it? And I said, I think I saw it in the theater, and that's the only time I saw it. And he's like, so the end, and I'm like, yeah, the shark gets impaled. He goes, yeah, and then it explodes. And I'm like, what? He's like, yeah, the shark explodes for literally no reason at all. And I'm like, man, I don't remember that part. (laughs) (laughs) And so we keep on talking, and he mentions that you know Jake gets eaten by the shark, and then miraculously, even though he's obviously drowned and gored to death, just appears back at the end and is completely yeah. fine. I'm like, he did? Mm-hmm. I don't remember that part either. Yeah. Well, that's because in the theatrical cut, neither one of those things happened. There right. was no shark exploding and he was dead. He was dead, dead. And it went from impaled shark and, you know, the ship getting taken down, cut to they're leaving in the plane. He's saying, get on, you know, hurry and get on Ellen Brody because you're going to miss your flight. That was yeah. it. There was no swimming. Mm-hmm. There was no, none of that. And definitely mm-hmm. no exploding shark. What happened was they showed the theatrical cut. Everybody hated it. And they thought the way to fix it was to put an exploding shark at the end and then save <laughs> Mario Peoples. I recently watched it. It is on Tubi. It is streaming on Tubi. So that's the version I watched. Okay. And I was like, okay, where's the impalement? And is this going to be, I remember I was like, is this going to be the version where Mario Van Peebles lives or not? And I remember the impalement was kind of unique, you know, because it does bring down the entire ship. But I believe these are clips from the very first film. (laughs) This makes as much sense as a great white shark swimming (laughs) 5,000 miles at the same speed that a plane flies. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Real, mm-hmm. real quick, uh, just because I'm I'm starting to feel like an imposter, and I don't want you guys to drop me like a chum marker. Oh, I'm gonna go hot take. I love Jaws the Revenge. I've got plenty. To, I got plenty to say about what's wrong with it, but I, okay. I freaking love Jaws the Revenge. Yes. Brad knows this for yes. years and years because we've debated the the rage debate we over this. But I I love the film, so okay. I'll have lots of good to say. Let me let me say this because this is a this is a good segue into talking about what the what the movie did right. But phone conversation with Jason this morning as I'm driving over here today, I was actually really surprised at how much I liked Jaws: The Revenge. Right, because again, I hadn't seen it since 1987, and I remembered it being horrible. And when I watched it again, I was like, well, it's really horrible in certain areas, which are really big areas, but it's not horrible as a whole. There are some decent parts. So that we can. <laughs> Brad is like, Jeff is not in, Jeff I'm is waiting to hear this plethora of good Brad stuff that is, Jeff has to say about it. I'm, I'm, I'm the death stare. Arms crossed. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so I think then that probably the appropriate thing to do at this moment is to have Brad tell us. Brad, what did this movie get right? What did they do right? 
I think the Bahamas works. Using using the Bahamas works. It's 100%. very beautiful. Hundred um, percent. You get a lot of clear shots, like the shot of them looking for Ellen and the shark coming out of the water. The aerial view with the ship. I'm like, yep. that's a really good shot, and that's the whole ocean. So, I think a lot of that stuff they got right. I think the casting was obviously very good, but using the Brodies and and the personal stuff, so it just it just got him. I'm trying to think if there's anything else good. <laughs> Come on, man. In it. <laughs> I don't, I, I mean, no, I can't think of anything else that's really that good in it. Jason. Okay. I don't want to get in front of Jeff on this stuff, but <laughs> uh, Jeff is, we're saving Jeff for the end. Okay. Jeff oh, is gonna yeah. <laughs> got some good stuff. I don't so know. So just to kind of expand on what Brad said, I think that the cast is really good, right? You've got Michael Caine, mm-hmm. who is an Oscar winner. You bring back Lorraine Gary, who, you know, played Ellen Brody and, and she was solid. I thought she did a good mm-hmm. job. Yep. Jake, you know, Mari Van Peebles. I liked him. He was fun. The accent was a little bit uh, here and there, but, but still good character. A lot of fun. Lance Guest, Last Starfighter, sign me up, right? My favorite character in the entire movie is Carla, the girl who plays Michael's wife. Really? Okay. Uh, she, was, she was sweet and lovely. Karen, Karen Young. Uh, and when she is uh, helping Michael snap out of his depression by, you know, inviting him to climb under the sheets, I was like, this girl's awesome, right? You know? <laughs> yep. So, rubber, rubber banding her panties at his face. Yes. 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 Panties, the slingshot panties. <laughs> Get and you every the fact time. that Roy Scheider didn't come back, I thought that was a good move. Smart. You know, yeah. the, the fact that he died of fear is, is one of the things that did not work for me. And we can talk about that here in a second. Listen, the return of Mrs. Kittner was yes gold i didn't notice that until this this watch it didn't do a very good job of making you see that but she's there she's at the the post funeral lunch and i'm with you i think the bahamas were beautiful to look at unfortunately when you pair those bahama scenes up with the backlot at universal it becomes so mm. clear and i'm gonna give one more thing and then i'm jeff i'm gonna get out of your way this is the 80s lover in me okay when they break into You've Got It All by the Jets at that <laughs> dance party. Number three hit in 1986. It was on the makeout list of 86. Uh, it just brought back a lot of nostalgic memories. Now listen, before I get out, before I turn it over to you, we are doing a bonus Patreon episode where we deep dive on that particular song. Ooh, yes. Okay? So yes. there is a very interesting story behind this song. It's going to be a bonus episode. Follow us on Patreon. Check it out over there. Will all be. right, Jeff. It's all the floor is yours, bro. Wait, Jeff, before you go. I didn't, I didn't mind. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Dee, let's hear from oh, you. Oh, sorry, sorry. No, that's all right. I want to save you for last. But just another shameless plug. Jason and I have covered Jaws, the original movie versus Jurassic Park. Mm-hmm. And we were talking about Lee Fierro, Mrs. Kittner. 30 years later, goes to a restaurant somewhere in Martha's Vineyard area and looks at the menu and sees that there's an Alex Kittner burger. And she (laughs) says to the waitress, she's like, Oh my gosh, I can't believe this is on here. She goes, I actually played the part of Mrs. Kittner in the original jaws movie. And the waitress is like, Oh my gosh, hold on. She leaves. She comes back and brings the restaurant owner with her. The restaurant owner is the kid who played Alex Kittner. And that's why they have that burger. That's awesome. man. What a great story. So, I will just say for my part, they came into this movie with the idea of doing 
character development and relationship development. And I think they did a really good job with that. I mean, the, the interaction between the characters is really good and it's actually really well shot for like a drama. If you could only take out the shark scenes and change the storyline, you might mm -hmm. have a good movie. The problem is the shark and the storyline are the two biggest pieces of the movie. So despite the fact that you've got what appears to be some really great acting, great character writing, great relationship writing and great directing in the non-special effects area. It's just not enough to save this movie, but those parts were, I thought very well done. And that was why I said to Jason, I really find myself enjoying this a lot more than I thought I was going to. Well, listen, you, all three of you actually did a lot of the heavy lifting for me just then. So I, and I don't want to retread the same water too much, but I will say sensational cast. Nice. Nice. Lo love the cast. Uh, you know, I, I enjoy seeing Michael Caine in anything, even the the smaller roles, like um the little girl, uh, Judith Barcy, I think her yeah. name is, I, you know, she's fantastic. And you know, she has some tough dialogue. If you think about some of the conversations that she has, I know, I know she's 10 playing five, but, but she does it really well. I think I absolutely love Lance Guest in this. Sorry, Brad leagues above Dennis Quaid. And I'm not saying they're filmographies. I'm just saying as Brody's. I'm always going to go with Lance Guest over Dennis Quaid. I definitely love the idea that a lot of this movie is about personal relationships. I totally buy the whole thing between Ellen and, and Michael. It feels real. And if you took if you took the whole shark attack out of this and made this a drama, I'd watch another another hour of just them dealing with the loss of a relative because they both sell it so well. Another thing I really like about this, and we we kind of we've kind of talked a little bit about this on our on our podcast, but movies like this from the 80s and the 70s and even like the early 90s, I was a lot younger. So there's there's things I didn't pay attention to that as an adult I do pay attention to. This movie and the way it deals with PTSD and and trauma for people, I think is done really well, especially with with uh Lance Guest. I mean, he is absolutely just destroyed when the shark comes to town because he's holding it pretty he's holding himself together pretty well for for his mom and the family but when the shark shows up uh, you know the sleepless nights the the drenched sweat i mean he he's waking up like ellen uh ripley in in aliens i mean he is not okay with with what's going on and i love the fact that even after his first encounter with the shark he wants to jump right back in the water just to deal with his demons so a lot of a lot of good stuff going on here. I love the production values. Shooting in the Bahamas, shooting in Martha's Vineyard. They have no issues just destroying a small. I don't think it's like a Cessna when Hoagie just lands <laughs> yeah. it. That was know? a great scene. I, a I great was, scene. I was like, are they really going to land that thing? And by golly, they did it. I yeah. thought Hoagie's, that's that's bold Hoagie's a full on cowboy. It's like, hey, we got to get to her. All right, we're taking it down. I'm not real sure why you wouldn't cut the props and like glide in. Maybe as glide opposed, in as yeah. opposed to destroying the the propellers when you come in. <laughs> yeah. But you know, whatever it but worked, a, they made it happen. It was like, real. It that's wasn't a ballsy CGI. move too, because yeah, it's a ballsy move because you got to crash the plane near the boat, and then you got like a thirty yard swim to the boat. And oh, by the way, there's a great white shark right there. Love when he's doing the hide and seek in the uh, the sunken uh, ship with the shark, I feel the claustrophobia in that scene. And I think to myself, you know, wow, uh, what would you even do? How do you, how far can you go? The, and again, the effects, and I, I know this movie gets the Razzie for, for worst effects, which I don't know how that happens when Superman four is also out there, but when jaws bust through, like when it can't, when it can't reach him and it busts through. And the only thing saving him is that rusty ladder. Oh, Love that. That's scene. A, that 
Totally. That's a that's a clutch the arm of the couch moment, you know, where you're just like, get out of there, find a way out. So I, I went a little too far, but hey, I'm th- this is what I love about the movie. So just talking about that scene, I mentioned in our last episode that Superman had some parts that could have been great, and we ended up seeing them great in Megamind. And as far as that particular scene goes, where you got him, yes. where you got Bruce chasing the guy through the sunken ship, they took it up a notch when they did Finding Nemo. They did. Yeah. Yeah, they did. That's right. <laughs> yes, Escape. They did. Hey, well, look, this word spelled just like the word escape. Mm-hmm. Fish all friends, not food. Uh, hey, one more thing that's positive in the, uh, in the positive column for Jaws of Revenge. No Cindy and Sandy, the ridiculous dolphins from Jaws 3. So, yes. thank you. I will agree with the, J- the Jaws 3, the Cindy and Sandy thing does hurt. <laughs> and yes, I will agree with you that Lance Guest's performance is Brody because apparently Dennis Quaid was so coked up. You could see it. He is he overacts so much. Him and Bess Armstrong and Louis Gossett Jr. But I, w- I don't understand how I won the Razzie for worst effects because I'm trying to figure out when there was a bad effect because jeff you were right that that scene where the ladder <laughs> sucks um, we're gonna talk about those bad effects. i'm trying to remember like some of the bad special effects but there are some good special effects that at least mm-hmm. counter the bad ones okay okay a few mm-hmm. uh and i'll be fair I, yeah, i'm ready yeah, to talk about some right? bad i know right he, yeah, he's defending it yeah, yeah. Okay. i like it okay before we get into the fun part of the podcast <laughs> i i gotta bring it down for just a second okay the oh, tragic yeah. story of Judith Barcy. We've got to at least touch on that. Okay. Mm-hmm. She's yeah, the little girl right. in Jaws, the revenge. Her father was a psychopath who kept her mother and her at constant fear. Threatened to kill them. Threatened to kill them. When they went to the Bahamas to shoot Jaws, the revenge, he said, if you don't come back, I'm going to hunt you down and kill you. Well, a year later in 1988, he did that very thing. He killed mm-hmm. his wife killed the little girl her name is judith and then killed himself she had i mean she was a quick rising star she had been in quite a few things this obviously was the big movie that she was in um but if you guys remember a land before time yeah she was Mm -hmm. a little duck-billed dinosaur Mm -hmm. that would go yep 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 yep, and that's what they actually put on her tombstone marker is that quote yep 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 mine is tucky yep that is what it is yep yep yeah, she was she was a little girl with some acting chops. She pulled. I mean, she took a part that had a lot of potential to be super annoying, and she delivered it really well. It is a true tragedy. Mm-hmm. I've heard that that house that the people who have resided in the house believe it to be haunted by the yep. her spirit. Mm-hmm. Lance Guest was one of the pallbearers at the funeral. No. Oh wow. Oh, yeah. <laughs> All right. So enough of that. Let's get into the stuff that does not work in this movie. Can we talk about Maverick for just a second? Top Gun Maverick? Sure. What was Always. The- <laughs> so, so we all have done our own podcast on Top Gun Maverick. And when you guys saw that first scene where it absolutely mimicked the first scene of the original Top Gun, did it, did everybody else do the same thing in their head, in their head that I did where you went, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, of course. So Chills. Yeah. So what we got. At the beginning of Jaws the Revenge is we've got the shark's point of view swimming through the water. And I'm like, okay, I can see it. That's the right move to make. Very good. You guys are doing, whoa, what? Why is his head above the water? Yep. (laughs) What? What is happening? (laughs) Apparently, 
that was foreshadowing because a majority of the movie, when you see the shark, he's above the water. He is out of the water a lot. Oh yeah. My gosh. It was like, yeah, nope. Almost good. And then not good. But here we go with the, the bad effects, right? So <laughs> we need to be reminded of the bad effects here. Yeah. When Sean gets his arm eaten off and you can see his yeah, other yeah, arm. So bad. <laughs> so bad. Oh, there you go. So I knew a piano player with just one arm. <laughs> it took him two minutes to play the minute waltz. <laughs> <laughs> Let me tell that to a mother who just son just got his, his arm. Son got off. his arm ripped off. <laughs> I can't yeah, he told that joke to her. Oh my gosh! Uh, so, so I, I again, I thought the acting was good. You got Mitchell Anderson as the young Sean, or the I guess the old Sean Brody, right? The kid who yeah. little the first, over the top. Who in the first? Who in the first Jaws? Uh, does the imitation game with that, right? That was that was what he was supposed to do there. Mitchell Anderson is the guy playing it, and I and I'm watching. I'm like, I know that guy. How do I know that guy? How do I, do you guys know where you know him from? Anybody? I don't. I don't know. Yes, he was yes. the other, like the pretty doctor in Doogie Howser. Wow. Was, oh, okay. Wow. Yeah. I again, I thought it was a good. I thought everything was well directed and set up well to have him out there. And then you have that absurd. I can see your arm inside your shirt moment, <laughs> and then him just screaming. And of course, the shark again. They violate the cardinal rule of the good horror movies. The rule that Jaws put in place by pure accident, which is you don't show the shark. You don't mm -hmm. show the shark until you're like three quarters into the movie. They showed it within the first five minutes and it was yeah. terrible. It was not believable. It was an ugly shark. And then you've got this weird <laughs> look like he had his arm caught in a paper shredder. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and then somehow he ends back up in the water. Jeff care to defend that one. I, I cannot defend that, that <laughs> moment because listen, you are a, Amityville deputy. Okay. <laughs> and I understand you're in shock. You just got your arm bit off and it's, it looks like a sight gag from a, a pink Panther film. However, <laughs> you have two choices. You can crawl over to the CB and, and, and scream for help, or you can hang yourself over the side <laughs> of the half chewed boat and scream for help to the, the choir that's singing about a mile away. I hate <laughs> that scene just because of the ignorance that it, that it has him showing. Hey, it was <laughs> really important for him to go get that log off of that buoy yeah. because it was going to stop all of those fishermen. All the fishermen. Who, who even saw that in that pitch black moment? Yeah, yeah exactly. Just, all right. So once she flies, okay, so we've got the funeral, right? Yep. She got, she's mm -hmm. telling her son who's just about to get his doctorate in marine biology that she doesn't want him to work in the water anymore. I actually <laughs> appreciated that as I can see, I can see the irrational mom that, that that's yeah. believable. Right. But then Mike is talking to his wife as they walk along the beach and mid sentence, he takes off running down the beach. What the heck? <laughs> what was that? D I wrote a note here that, and I'm reading it. It says, uh, Michael's run before the funeral question mark. <laughs> <laughs> all I can say is we all deal with grief in our own ways. There you go. Some of us cry. Some of us shout. Some of us run, run the beach like Rocky Balboa or, or Connor McLeod and Highlander. And then after telling her son that she doesn't want him anywhere near the water anymore, the next scene, they're on the ferry. And ugly crying on the ferry as oh, yeah. well. So yes, ugly crying. Not a good cry for her. <laughs>
now then I, what I want to talk about, I think we're, we're kind of there is, you know, Hoagie taking them on the airplane and then dive bombing the rich residents of the Bahamas (laughs) and scaring the crap out of people who have PTSD as it is. Right. Right. Yeah. Hey, let's do something really fun. Yeah. Yeah. You should talk about my gambling problem. (laughs) Yeah. Hey, by the way, Hoagie's profession clearly is drug smuggler. Yes. Are we all on board with that? Yeah. I don't think he's smuggling drugs. I think he's, he's smuggling drug money. Because he does tell Michael when Michael's like, "What do you, what do you do, Hoagie?" He's like, "Laundry." Yeah. So I, I see him more like a Glenn Fry, Smuggler's Blues, oh, from Miami oh, Vice. Nice. That's that's you know, this is Glenn Fry's dad is what we're what we're seeing, or his older brother, if you will. Yeah, you that's be cool like. for twenty hours, and I'll pay you twenty grand. Mm-hmm. Yes. <laughs> well, Deep cut there. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> I, I have a question about Jake. When did he um, see the original Jaws? Because he apparently knows the Jaws theme when he's down to Michael. Blub, 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 right. blub, like, oh, he must have saw the first Jaws. Jeez. No, no, yeah. he didn't. I'm going to defend that one. If I can, <laughs> I okay. okay. So if you listen, you know, he's not going. Da-da, da-da. He's going. Blum, 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 blum. I can test that he's. He's a Friday Thirteenth fan, and he's just doing the opening, uh, you know, <laughs> bit to Harry Manfredini's uh, Friday Thirteenth uh, score. Dun 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 dun. Yeah. Oh my god. Jake, knock it off. Wow. Jake, Jake should know that Jake, you know, that Michael's not a fan of Friday Thirteenth, and I'm going to leave it at that. Jake's kind of a kind of a jerk to really make Michael do. It. It's like, dude, your brother just got eaten by a shark. <laughs> your family has a past history with sharks but i'm gonna make you g- go help me look for one come on i mean come on i mean he has a small thing oh sorry about your brother man he you're right he is a jerk if if i'll just i'll point this out because i i loved your your jamaican accent there but that's one of the moments where <laughs> mario slips into regular english yeah that's right that's <laughs> really nice. that's, you know that's, yeah, that's one big man. fish man and he goes hey I'm sorry about your brother, man. (laughs) (laughs) Well, what cracks me up about this shark is not only does it have full on revenge scenario type of situation working on, but apparently has vocal cords too. It can scream, you know, when hurt, you know, even if sharks had vocal cords, they don't have lungs. Yeah. (laughs) No air to move past the vocal cords. And even if they did have vocal cords and lungs, they wouldn't scream out a sound effect from a Tom and Jerry cartoon. <laughs> What's the cartoon? Tom and Jerry. So the Tom yeah. and Jerry, what makes that noise in Tom and Jerry? Jerry has a little mouse friend and Tom whacks his butt with a fly swatter uh-huh. and he gets red ass from it. <laughs> and Jerry goes like berserk and he's like, Rah! and he gives that big giant roar and he mm-hmm. goes, he, he pulls Tom through a knot hole and beats the crap out of him. So you're telling me that the impossible shark roar is not even a lion's roar. It's a cartoon mouse's roar. It's Jerry Mouse's roar from a Tom and Jerry cartoon. Did you guys know that? No, no, no. I didn't know it, but it makes perfect sense. Oh, dude. Yes, absolutely. Wow. And we, touched, we touched on it a bit ago, but I just did I just did the math here. So just so that you know, top speed for a shark is about 31 miles per hour. So around Christmas time, if that shark was in Martha's Vineyard, if it left right after it bit the arm off the other guy, before the people even flew <laughs> away, it would have gotten to the Bahamas, oh, sometime around St. Patrick's Day. 
<laughs> okay. <laughs> and I know you guys said, talked about like the personal stuff in there, but I think some of the stuff like uh, Carla getting mad at Michael for like not taking out the garbage and her whole thing with her sculpture and stuff. I was just bored. I, I was just bored with their whole kind of, you know, I, I want to make love to an angry welder. It just, <laughs> I thought it was, I thought it was filler that I didn't care about. Ellen well, but, and Hoagie. Okay. Right. Because they're different types of movies, a yeah. character driven relationship driven movie is not what you want to go see when you pick jaws <laughs> in the title. Right. I want to go see people chasing a shark and being chased by a shark. That's yeah. it. You got to take the good with the bad. She did slingshot the panties at him though. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, she she uses sex a lot. She <laughs> refers to it during Christmas. She refers to it at New Year's Eve. She does it in the bedroom when he's all you know like in his head and stuff. And then she does it at the welding thing. Let me say it again. Lance guest with a beard. <laughs> That's all it takes. I'm <laughs> okay, so uh, you- you brought something up just then about, you know, he's upset about he's he's seen the shark and he's having he's having a dream. Before that, we have Ellen Brody having the dream where she's swimming, right? They've arrived mm-hmm. at in Nassau and she's swimming and she gets attacked by a shark and all of a sudden it's a dream. And can I just say, don't do that. I think they thought it would work because of aliens. Again, that mm-hmm. you know, that that yeah. brief dream sequence that Ripley had where the alien seems to be coming out of her. That one was allowable. This one, these two, not. Mm-hmm. You know what we failed to talk about that really we should have been our starting point is the script meeting where somebody stood up and said, how about a shark targeting the Brody family for revenge? And he has like a psychic connection with them. Yeah. Somebody should have fired that dude. Right then, said, "Dude, who get out of here? Yeah, you're fired." But but this is the this is the premise that puts, in Jeff's opinion, Jaws four over Jaws three. Coincidence. (laughs) (laughs) So look, (laughs) talking about things that 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 don't work or that they got wrong. uh, Yeah, I've got Ellen's shark ESP written down. Here's the thing, though. If you if you want to throw the blame at someone, I think you have to throw it at, at Sergeant because as D was pointing out, like the behind the scenes on this and talking how we get this movie to begin with, he says, I don't know if I could do this. And they said, No, 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 we're gonna do something different. See, see what you can do. You're gonna you're gonna produce it, you're gonna direct it. And he he uh, there's a quote, I, I can't remember where I saw it, but there's a quote where he talks about how he thought maybe bringing a little bit of magic which I think that's the wrong word, but he said he uses the word magic and he says, let's put a little magic into this story and really give the audience something they haven't seen before. So that's where you get this whole supernatural, the sharks after the family and, you know, Ellen can sense when uh, a Brody's in danger. You know, she's, she's at the, uh, the Junkanoo festival with Hoagie and then Michael gets attacked and she stops like, Oh my God, wait, something's wrong. Like, right. Right. Mother's instinct. So I can't even fault Lorraine Gary for, the role that she had to play. I think she does a great job with this, but that's not on her that she has to have like, you know, ESP and the shark has to have some kind of psychic connection with her. That's, that's on, that's on the the makers of the film. So the novelization of the original script had a little bit of voodoo curse into it. Right. Oh, wow. So they ran into each other at that festival in the Bahamas. Um, and they actually, you know, they bump into what's his name from live and let die. And he drops a curse. Yeah. 
Yeah. Oh, really? There you go. Yes, it's a vengeful witch doctor. That's that the early draft and the novelization. The shark is controlled by a vengeful witch doctor. Da-na-na. I don't know Da-na-na. how that makes him swim faster, but yeah, that's what it is. <laughs> okay, I can buy that a heck of a lot more than I can SeaWorld, Brad. Here's the- <laughs> really? You yes. can buy that more yes. than just a coincidence at a theme park. <laughs> oh, here's my the- God. Here's the biggest problem. I mean, here's the biggest problem here. How can the shark have revenge if the shark in the past two to three movies has been killed. That doesn't, I mean, there's no, there's nothing left alive to have revenge. I told Jason, I was, cause he was like bringing that up. I'm like, well, isn't it supposed to be like the mother of the other sharks or something? He's mm-hmm. like, no, that's not in there. And I realized I made that up in my head to try to give it some sort I of reason. I think I did too. Well, Wait, but there is, this- is none. There is no explanation. She says he was trying to get Sean. He came down here for us. That's psychotic. That mm-hmm. is crazy. That doesn't make any sense because the sharks are dead. They can't come get you. They're dead. I think the thing with this film and many, many, many films of the 80s is you really only needed a title in the movie for people to go see it. Right. Friday the 13th, Nightmare on Elm Street, Superman, uh, Jaws. You really only needed that. You can kind of get ridiculous because they knew their actual target audience were us at 10, 12 years old. Like you said, the Canon group, make a poster, put the title on the thing. And that's really all they needed. I think I have an answer to the shark you know how it keeps coming back flashback to uh the hitcher episode that jason and i did we talked about this phenomenon called the mandela effect where you have a false memory that for reasons that you don't understand is just planted in your brain and you know it happened for real i seem to remember the whole idea from the peter benchley's novel jaws where at the end after the shark explodes you kind of fade down to the, the depths of the ocean and that's where you see a bunch of baby sharks and that's where the idea is like they just killed the mother. Maybe I'm remembering that and it's a false memory, but I think that explains how you get Jaws 2 and Jaws 3, how the shark keeps coming back. I, I can definitely say a movie that actually surpassed the novel. I I, I, I did read the novel years ago yeah. and it was, it was kind of depressing. The original the, the, Jaws? Yeah. The original Jaws mm-hmm. novel is... Uh, the characters are very unlikable. Well, Hooper sleeps uh, with friggin' Ellen. Yeah, yeah, right? yeah. yeah. It's it's it was it's it was not very like, likable at all. It was just like you or Jeff said about part three is that you wanted the shark to eat them. You're like <laughs> yeah, these people yeah. are horrible. You're rooting for the shark. Jumping back into the bad of the movie, when <laughs> when Jake is there and he figures out that there's now a great white shark in the Bahamas, which never happens his words never happens and that they've got to study it he develops this thing that's going to track its heartbeat right Mm -hmm. i mean we've already got music that makes the heartbeat sound but okay we'll put a little heartbeat tracker on there it kind of takes the place of the yellow floaters that they had from jaws one right Mm-hmm. But I just want to talk about the scene where they're going to implant that thing into the side of the shark. They have a gun like shark one, like uh, Jaws one, right? They're, they're just going to, they're going to harpoon it. No, they lead him out on a <laughs> precarious rope. Yeah. Right. And he's got it. He's going to hand spirit into the side of the shark. No guns, no, yeah. you know, distance. We're going to get up close and personal and just ram it in there. But they've got to lure the shark in, right? So how do they lure the shark in? They dangle meat 
<laughs> over the <Yep>. water. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Not in the water, over the water. And it's only once they see the shark already plowing through the water yeah. towards them because it works. Why? I don't know. But it works. And the shark's coming from. <laughs> it's at that point that then they go ahead and decide to lower the meat in and start chumming along. <laughs> And still, even though it's got the meat, it jumps up out of the water to pose itself out just in time for Jake to stab him in the side. Absurdity upon absurdity. Yes. Mm. And when he did it, I just thought, you get that little needle through his skin. (laughs) (laughs) I'm like, ow. It's like, yeah. Use the harpoon, for God's sake. (laughs) Speaking of absurdities. What in the bleep is Ellen's plan when she hijacks the boat to go take on the fish out in the middle of the ocean? I mean, what's the plan? She's I think to go- kill her. I think to kill herself. Let the thing eat it. The shark to appease yeah. it. She's the sacrificial sacrificial yeah. lamb. Is that is that the idea? I, this, she doesn't explain it. He even says, "What were you thinking?" And she's like, I "Yeah, oh, yeah, she I'm just a crazy woman." Why did you do this? She's like, "It was the only thing I could do." The the what? exact opposite of Ellen Ripley, right? No. I mean, mm-hmm. if you're going to pick a movie that you're going to cheat off of for the next summer season, do it right. Don't make her a crazy lady who goes out with no plan whatsoever by herself. Yeah, yeah. Well, and then what's Hoagie's plan? I'm going to crash the plane into the water. Yeah, ballsy, maybe we, well, all together, and it was ballsy, but it was also stupid. They'll all be together. Yeah, the big boat sink and the plane yep. sink. So there was actually a decent jump scare in this movie. There were there were a whole lot there and up. There was one decent jump scare. The eel. It was the eel. Oh yeah, the eel was the scariest mm-hmm. part in the movie because they did it right. It was you didn't see it coming, and then all of a sudden there it was. It wasn't a oh, we're going to let you lead in and see the shark as it swims along. I mean, it's, that shark was swimming like a whale shark. It was like slow motion, and we watched it all in bright sunlight. That's not scary. That's you showing me all of the imperfections of your mechanical shark. So I think second scariest scene is the banana boat. Yeah. Agree? Yes. Yes. Agree. Thea is in peril at that moment right and mm-hmm. and the and the shark coming up and getting her i think that's the best shark attack scene in the movie i've ridden that. a banana boat once and that movie was in my mind the entire time <laughs> i never have and i never will because of this movie <laughs> it was close to the shore though so it was I, I was okay hey by the way i sent you a picture last night ellen gets mad at thea her granddaughter for swinging over the water yes goes, get away from there and cut that out She's still dealing with her, you know, the loss of her son. I took a picture of the video from that movie. That water is what? Eight inches deep. It's dangerous because you're going to break your neck. (laughs) You're going to hit the rocks by a shark. Yeah. There's a couple scenes at the end where I don't know if the water looks like they're in very shallow water. Yeah. Like in the end of the scene, I'm like, wait a minute. The water's kind of green right there that you can really see the algae. It was like, I think they're kind of close to the shore. Hey, back on the def- uh, back on the defensive, low tide, man. <laughs> draw them into the drawn shallow water. Going to draw them in. Going to. I'm reaching in. at this point. D's like uh, this. Is, this is not going to hold up in court, Johnson. <laughs> so, so we have the the ESP premonition. She sees Buddha the banana, banana boat happening, and her solution is to steal Neptune's folly. That's the name of the ship. Mm-hmm. That's right. Steal Neptune's Folly, go out by herself to try to track down the shark with no other plan than that. No tools, no way of, no, no nothing. So then he shows back up, has to admit that he knew about the shark the whole time. The The big plan that he gets when he realizes his 
large boat has been taken is he's going to take what I can only describe as a flat <laughs> bottom outboard motor. You're never going to get there. And if you do, the shark <laughs> is going to eat it in one bite. You got a better idea? Uh, yeah, let's fly the plane. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, I want to try and be, again, d- defend some behaviors here, but uh, I'll ask you guys because I'm, I'm looking at three fathers here. He comes home. Thea's in shock, you know, shark attack. And he's like, ah, oh, we should have known. And he has to reveal, yeah, we we knew about this. You guys are dads. Is this one of those situations where you're not lying to your wife? You're just trying to keep the family from freaking out? Or do you do you disclose this immediately? Like, hey, I got attacked by a shark today at work and you should know. Like, what what's the what's the call there? Oh, I thought you meant do you lie at that point whenever that whenever your daughter's been attacked by the shark and your wife is there consoling her? If I had lied, if I had not mentioned the shark before, I would have been like, there was a shark. <laughs> what? <laughs> okay. <laughs> had no idea. He's not, what, what, he's not lying, right? This type of thing. Yeah. I wonder if Jake has any stuff on the boat. We'll go find out. Yeah, because he doesn't reveal it immediately to his mom when they when they make the daring plane crash and, and swim to the Neptune's Folly. He's mm-hmm. more like, what are you doing? What were you thinking? It's ludicrous. Uh, and then you have that ocean overacting by Carla. Why are you telling us? <laughs> <laughs> I would say this, uh, you know, as far as her motivation for taking the boat out there at this point in the movie, she has got into her head that this shark has killed her husband, her son, and it just attacked her granddaughter. He died of a heart attack. <laughs> yeah. He died the from the fear of it. The fear. <laughs> so it, I'm wondering if her motivation stems from maybe she thinks if I just give the shark what it wants, if I just sacrifice myself, it'll leave my family alone. Maybe is that her motivation? Possibly. If, if she would have said that, like, I'm I'm good with it. Just okay. make that pronouncement, you know? Yeah. This is where I'm going. This is what I'm doing. Instead yeah. of like, ah, just take the boat and just ride out there. Yeah. Because she has that not as good as Ripley line where she's like, come and get me. That would have that would have put her in kind of that tougher category, like Ellen Ripley going out to be the yeah. sacrificial lamb. I told you, it's just real hard to buy that when she's got shoulder pads <laughs> <laughs> and that haircut. Ah, uh, yeah, that, I mean, she takes off her. I thought the jacket. I was like, oh man, that jacket's got some big shoulder plate. No, it's her shirt. <laughs> nope. That's she the shirt. The, she took the. And then she takes it off. I was like, it doesn't make a difference. Sewing. Where those shoulder pads are sewn she, in. She's right at home with Hawk and Animal from the Road Warriors. Like, you know, <laughs> mm-hmm. she's just missing the spikes. Hey, one quick adjustment to that scene. Mm-hmm. If she would have grabbed like a massive harpoon gun or like stole it from Jake's something. warehouse or something like that, a giant Wiley e. Coyote TNT box. I mean, just yep. something showing she had a plan would have been better than what we got in that scene. All right. I almost Pro- feel I'll have to look at the cover art again. I feel that there was a cover she's art got where a spear. she had a harpoon. She's got it like a, yeah. She, she does, does, right? She has some yeah. kind of spear thing. Yeah. Okay, okay. You're I right. thought so. It's, like you said, one of those things. We remember something that maybe didn't exist. But I, yeah, I could have swore she's got. Yes, yep, there it is. I knew it. I knew it. Yeah. <laughs> Where's that scene? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that would have been a movie worth watching. That shark yeah. is less out of the water than what happens in the movie. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh, I didn't even realize it. The shark, it's the same image, listeners, dear listeners. It is the same nose up image that is in the original Jaws poster, except that the shark is out of the water because in this movie, 
the shark is out of the water. Yeah. Maybe um, that should have been the tagline instead of it's personal. It should have been <laughs> Jaws of Revenge, fish out of the water. Jaws oh, yeah, of Revenge. Great. Love it. That would have been great. Jaws of Revenge, it's airborne. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and Air Jaws. What's interesting, if you guys have seen Planet Earth, like my this was my son and I's yeah, favorite part of planet earth is where they have the great white sharks jump out of the water and they will they tow like they tow a little yeah. seal mm -hmm. behind them and those guys will blast full body out of the water and it looks incredible it's mm -hmm. not the shark being out of the water that's the weirdness about it it's this random device that jake shoves down the shark's throat just before he gets eaten but not eaten himself Depending mm -hmm. on which version you see. Yeah. Something that nobody's ever heard of, but that we know will cause the shark to go crazy and jump out of the water. <laughs> yeah. Stupid. And those aren't, I mean, those are more or less, those are like D battery flashlights. Hey, my gear don't crap out, man. <laughs> <laughs> he yanked it out of his 1980s boom. Jake off. says it's going to work. Then it's yeah. going to work. <laughs> yeah. So as they're, as the, movie is climaxing as they are headed nose first towards the shark and the shark is roaring and and hoagie is like turn about and she's slapping his hand away from her <laughs> steering wheel as she steers towards it with again we have no idea what plan by the way the continuity in this scene is absolutely amazing she's having yeah. memories <laughs> of things that she wasn't there for she's had right. memory True. of of Roy Scheider shooting the shark. <laughs> she wasn't there. She's having memories of Sean getting eaten by the shark. She wasn't there. She's having memories of the banana boat scene. I guess she was there, but she wasn't from the shark's perspective. Nope. It's the Mandela effect again. It's oh, <laughs> she and, she then, and then when you have the attack, when you have the attack and all of this happening, another terrible direction is you get a reaction shot from all three other people on the boat. It's like Mike's reaction, duh, duh. Ellen's reaction, duh, duh. Hoagie's reaction, duh, duh. Then we're back to Jake and he's still getting eaten. And then it's Mike's reaction, <laughs> duh, duh. Ellen's reaction, duh, duh. Hoagie's reaction, duh, duh. I'm like, guys, do one at a time. Let's speed this up. It's called a jump cut. Let's make it, let's move it along. This is supposed to be action, not let's see what everybody thinks. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Sorry, I got a little, a little excited there. I apologize. Calm down. Calm down. <laughs> no. It's a little frustrating. No, the, it's it's a pacing issue. It does mm -hmm. kind of. They're like, come on. Let's, they should just it. sped it up, just like they did the the refrigerator scene. Well, <laughs> yeah. If if I'm ever to <laughs> do some kind of art project where you, you know the the city or you know is going to dedicate this and use this as a landmark on a thing, um, my daughter is not gonna go banana boating while i'm getting my thing done i'm like no you're gonna wait <laughs> until i'm done with this thing your father didn't show up jake didn't show up you're gonna stay here and you're watch me accept this award for this art oh, that's great shaken by you know i'm just like can i go banana button no we're in the middle of something right here <laughs> this is important no. you selfish little yeah can we <laughs> even though we're at the beach this isn't a day at the beach everyone's dressed up and everything oh we can go banana boat sure see you later <laughs> wherever can we can i just say something about uh this terrific art piece uh tourist on the loose <laughs> yes because that's what it's called this is this is something i don't like and i get it sometimes you have to do a little bit of exposition for the audience but but don't treat us like we're idiots so it is clearly a sculpture of a great white shark 
Clearly. (laughs) It is not tourists on the loose. The last time I was insulted like this was was Val Kilmer (laughs) looking clearly at a portrait of a bat and going, what do you have? What's your thing with bats? And Chase Meridian going, uh that's a rorschach what question is what do you have with bats it's a, that's a, that's a bat okay this is a shark don't call it horse <laughs> on loose it's a, clearly a shark okay. i think it uh, looks like female genitalia it just what? looks like an anatomy i'm just like i was like she just i was like i think this is what are you talking about <laughs> yeah that uh, sculpture is just hideous what people I'm say not my work is awesome... strongly vaginal <laughs> yeah. yeah it was just like what is this <laughs> I, I even the I word i don't know what to say to that self offends some people <laughs> vagina <laughs> oh my gosh uh, i didn't i'll watch it listen i love this like i said i love the movie i'll watch it plenty more times i'll be looking for that take on, on the sculpture next time i watch it <laughs> now <laughs> not that i would ever buy this film but if i were to buy this film which version am I going to get? That, that's the get, thing. You will get the exploding shark version. You have yes. to YouTube the theatrical version to get it. They they believed that they could fix all of their problems on the DVD by changing the ending, uh, having the, the shark explode, which, of course, they didn't actually have the shark explode. They just cut in scenes from the original yeah. Jaws with mm-hmm. the exploding shark and having that tank down to the bottom. And they thought they that they could fix the other problem by bringing Jake back, yeah, unharmed. The mega terrific happy ending. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, that's right. Yeah, and I was happy to see Jake back, but yeah. I'm still like, huh? That is ludicrous, man. Right. He was in the jaws. No, of no, no, the no, no. Yeah, it was not him. It was very obviously not him. It was his stunt <laughs> double. Mm-hmm. Well, if you watch, yeah, here's. I don't even have to say if you watch carefully. If you are myopic, you can tell that that is not <laughs> Mario Van Peoples in that shark's mouth. <laughs> that is very true. <laughs> Look, you know, if you want to recut it, that's fine. But do us the the service at least of seeing him fall in the water and not watching him go for the thrill ride underwater where blood is hemorrhaging from the right, shark's mouth right. with him in it. Right. His lifeless body. Right. Like in, in Jaws, you know, Quint cranks up the the portable shower, the monkey cage, you know, anti-shark right. cage. And we see it's been torn apart. If it's your first time, you assume Hooper is dead. Right. So it's refreshing. But he's never shown he in the mouth. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Let Jake go underwater. And it's like, we just, let's just assume. Okay. Yeah. That's fine. I would have been okay with that. But the there's no, you know, Jason, you sent that photo uh, earlier this week. There's no way he's surviving that. No. And no. even if, even if he's conscious in the water, He's dying within minutes once they pull him <laughs> off because he's bleeding out. He, yeah. he just is. I mean, if they're going to re-edit it anyway, just remove the scenes where it's so obvious that he would be dead, right? That's all yeah. you've got to mm-hmm. do. But what do. happened was they put the him coming back in and somebody, I know that somebody said, look, there's no way he could survive this. we got to take these scenes out. And somebody with higher power said, no, oh, no, no, no. Those are great effects. We don't want to lose mm-hmm. that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, genius. Only slightly less ridiculous than that would be if Sean popped up and be like, "Hey guys, <laughs> <laughs> had his arm I still have other- no arm. Arm, it's feeling much better." <laughs> okay, so so that brings us brings me to the question that I posed on our last episode, which is, do you think that you could re-edit this movie and make it a good movie, or someone with you know editing chops could? Absolutely. 
Yes. Yes. Because we know there is footage that we could use. Yes. Mm -hmm. Well, the parts in between the effect shots are good. Yeah. Unlike Superman four. Right. But you have to, but you still have story fixing that you have to do. It is no matter, no matter what you do, you cannot say that the shark swims from Martha's vineyard, Amity, island whatever down to the bahamas that's not reasonable that's not possible so you have to you have to make some adjustments as to where things occur so that's a pretty easy fix mike is down in the bahamas right right Mm -hmm. he gets attacked by a shark and it's not the same shark let's just say that let's just change it from a great white into i don't know a bull shark the most dangerous shark as far as human attacks go anyway change Mm -hmm. the shark up Mm -hmm. what's wrong with that nothing nothing wrong with that but I told Jason, I, I thought that this story, if you took the shark parts out, which are the absolute worst parts, if you took it out, it could be very interesting as a, is this woman crazy or is she right? I think that you could have had a great storyline where she thinks that the shark has followed them and they're like trying to, they're like, that's not reasonable. It would take two months for the shark to swim here. Sharks don't take things personally. And do all of that, but then also have the storyline of, well, but there is actually a shark out there that's causing yeah. havoc. It just, it's not the same. It's shark. not the same one. <laughs> hey, before we do our final judgment, I have to ask you guys something. Mm-hmm. How many of you guys played the Jaws NES game? This was one of my favorite games on the Nintendo Entertainment System. Uh, it took me several months to beat it because if you have played it, then you know you're you know moving the boat around. Jaws pops up, it immediately drops you into the the ocean and you got to fight crabs and you know other fish, but you keep wounding Jaws with your harpoon gun and then once Jaws is hurt enough, then you have to try and stab it with the the boat like like Ellen does. And it's all a matter of perfect timing. It's like it's like beating Tyson in Mike Tyson's punch out. It all uh-huh. comes down to a split second timing. It took me three months to beat that game, but the day I stabbed the shark and got it, I it was a it was a great day in the Johnson household. So, <laughs> love that game. Final judgment. We are down now to our final judgment. Hey, D and Jason, John Reed from the Thirty Something Movie Podcast and Podcast Full of Kryptonite, which I joyfully host with you guys. Super excited that you asked me to pop in for a Shirley showcase for your showdown between Jaws: The Revenge and Superman Four. So pitting these two movies against each other is really like taking a couple of rock and sockem robots that are both half broken. The springs are not really working so well anymore. The punches don't seem to land and we're going to make them duke it out until one of them dies. So I'm looking first at Jaws the Revenge, which admittedly I have not seen quite as much as Superman 4. Being a huge Superman fan, I have watched Superman 4 an outrageous number of times. But Jaws the Revenge, how far the mighty had fallen. When I think of Jaws the Revenge, I think of a few different things i think of some kind of weird mental telepathy that you can have with sharks to know when they are about to strike a member of your family i think of the fact that we have a shark explode when no explosive element has really been introduced how we have michael kane i mean there, there's another thing you're pitting michael kane against christopher reeve which not since the likes of death trap or noises off have we have such a michael kane christopher reeve one two punch here 
unfortunately not in the same movie this time around. When I think of Jaws the Revenge, I think of the idea of a shark getting revenge on the family of the person that killed it and the rest of its family. And I don't know where to go with that. It makes me think of what a wise man once said. Ah, Dee and Jason, my old friends. The great white proverb that tells us revenge is a dish that is best served cold. It is very cold in the ocean. And I am very cold on Jaws the Revenge. So Superman 4 has a very special place in my heart. Now, it's probably the part of my heart that has the most cholesterol built up in it. But Superman 4, I remember loving it as a kid. As I have grown up and then watched it again, I recognize it for the dumpster fire that it is. And it's kind of funny to go back and watch it now and see when the Canon Film Group got the rights to this, took it over, and just did not provide. Christopher Reeve, I think, was, is quoted in, in some of his own biographies as saying that the budget was yanked out from underneath them and they didn't have the money to be able to do what they needed to do, which to me is a shame because this was kind of a passion project of his. Like He wanted to talk about the idea of nuclear disarmament and it really comes across as an unfinished movie and it probably actually was it kind of seems to negate the whole superman lois amnesia kiss which he uses here just for kicks just to have somebody to talk to for a minute and then there's kind of a scene where she's like no i remember everything so does the kiss not work i don't know i'm not sure we also learned that you can re constitute the Great Wall of China with a point of your finger, a superpower that has never been displayed before or since. Nuclear Man, I love Nuclear Man as a villain. So, I mean, is it a stupid movie? Yes, it's a stupid movie. Is it a poorly put together movie? Yes, it's a poorly put together movie. But knowing that this is something that Christopher Reeve was passionate about, knowing that it had so much potential, I am between the two, I'm going to have to go with Superman 4. Because it is, of the two, it is it is the most craptastic. And that's going to be my final thought. Again, thank you guys so much for letting me jump in here on the Shirley Showcase. Love your show. Love what you guys are doing. Can't wait to hear what is coming up next. And uh, we'll be talking to you soon. Brad, why don't you go first? Give us your final judgment between Superman 4, The Quest for Peace, Jaws the Revenge, Two Stinkers from 1987. Ready, set, go. Uh, I can't believe I'm going to do this because I'm such a big Superman fan. Jaws 4 is more watchable. Both of them are ridiculous, but (laughs) I found myself cringing at parts of Superman 4. Cringing at parts of Jaws as well, but it was also, I think right now, like as I was watching Shark Week, I watched Jaws, you know, it's, it's summer. Maybe the atmosphere of the Bahamas made it a little bit more fun. It felt summer movie-esque so jaws the revenge awesome even though i prefer jaws 3 all right jeff you're up bud all right so uh final judgment superman the quest for peace versus jaws the revenge to all you thinking superman's the better film in my worst hoagie impression impression give it a kick in the ass <laughs> jaws with a revenge is by far the better film when you rack these two up wow it just is it's not even close, and I am a. You're I've been Superman a. Guy. I, I've been a diehard Superman fan since my mom introduced me to the character when I was six years old, and I love Superman. I've loved all the iterations, good and bad, but I cannot defend the quest for peace, especially when it's going up against the yeah. revenge. D, you're up. Okay. Uh, yeah, this is an easy one for me, and it's the same as you guys. Jaws: The Revenge is a much more watchable movie mm-hmm. than Superman: Quest for Peace. And I think about the fact that we are all diehard Superman fans. And I think that is probably why Superman Quest for Peace is so offensive to us. 
It's like if you hear someone singing extremely off key, but singing your favorite song, you're like, you're mm-hmm. ruining it. You are ruining it. And then that's the last time you get to hear that song. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, said. That, that, that makes it murderous. But even if I didn't have that, even if I didn't have that strong connection, I mean, the fact is, is that Jaws of the Revenge has some very watchable moments, very well acted, directed and put together moments. It's just overall very, very poor. Yeah. Yeah. So definitely picking Jaws Revenge as the better of those two. Okay. So I guess it's down to me. Yep. Yep. I'm going to make this a foursome across the board. Jaws the Revenge is clearly the better of these two movies. It's way more fun. It's way better to look at. Superman 4 is like your parents getting divorced. Like everyone has hard feelings. Everyone's sad. It didn't work out. And it just, it's just a big dumpster fire. Jaws the Revenge is like having a fling on vacation. It didn't really work out, but you're you're having fun. You're on vacation. You, you know, you're you're having a good time or whatever. And it just didn't quite work out. And that's the way <laughs> I feel about these two movies. I love it. I, I will let you know that you can come sleep at my house after Kathy listens to this episode. <laughs> oh. <Yeah. laughs> It's like having a fling. I'm not saying having a fling. I'm just saying. You said you guys edit a lot, right? <laughs> guys, thank you so much for joining us. This has been a tremendous amount of fun. Again, listeners, go check these guys out at a Film by podcast. If you are not listening to them, it's tragic. They do great stuff over there. I look forward to your show every Tuesday morning. Thank you again for being with us. Thank you, guys. So much fun. Thank you for having us. We loved it. Guys, be sure and follow them on whatever your podcast app of choice is. Give them a five-star rating. Give them a review. If you want to throw one in for us, too, we would truly appreciate it. You can check us all out um, on Twitter. We're at Shirley Podcasts on Twitter. These guys are at a film by on Twitter. And we routinely interact with each other and our fan base (laughs) and several other podcasts. And we have a whole lot of fun. So come join the fun with us. And we look forward to seeing you guys next episode.